This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk or 3people.k.uk for more information. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. Matt is with me as always. Matt, how are you, sir? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Pat. And, and honoured to be here talking to um, to Mr. Lansdowne. What an absolute pleasure. Well, uh, hopefully it'll be a good Friday for everybody. We've got um, Stoke this afternoon. and um, We've had some great guests before um, on the podcast. Ultimately, one that became our sponsor. And he's with us also, Paul. Paul Archer from the Nexus Group. How are you? Good. Good Friday. Good morning. Good day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and on the day when uh, season ticket price freeze was announced uh, for the 2021-2022 season, I'm delighted, as Matt said, to be joined by Steve Lansdowne. Steve, how are you, sir? Hey, good, Patch. Morning, morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Steve. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the bonus show. It is, as I said, it's a, a real honour, something that we're really grateful for, for you coming on a, a fan-produced Bristol City podcast. So once again, thank you so much. And no, thanks to Yeah, thank you. And thank you to everyone involved, in, including Paul, uh, Dave Barton, um, for helping us get that one set up. First thing for me is around gratefuls. It's something that we've, that we've really been championing in work over the last year, just things that you're grateful for. Um, we're grateful for you joining us on the podcast. I've, as I've said, we're grateful for the stadium, the High Performance Centre, and both of which represent such a big leap forward for the club. I want to just know from you, Steve, do you realise how grateful the Bristol City fan base and the rest of the Bristol sport fan base are for your investment? Well, that's a tricky one to answer, isn't it? Um... Because if I say, if I say no, that says I think things are <laughs> If I say if I say yes, I think they. <laughs> I just want you to know that people don't take it for granted. No, I, I think the majority of people recognise, you know, what what what's happened over the the, the last 10, 15 years, uh, the investment that's been made, and and the advances that the football club have made because of that. Um, there's always an element that will always want to be critical, always feel they're missing out, um, and you have to accept that in life that you can't please everybody. But no, I mean, look, I, I look at what's been achieved and um, and I, I'm just, you know, in, if you like, delighted in, 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 in the performance of everybody. Um, and uh, as I look here now and I look at, I mean, obviously the, sta- the stadium is, is, is something I think everybody that's been involved with Bristol City never expected. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I expected it sometimes. Um, <laughs> and, and, but the, the, the high performance centre is just something that was just so long overdue for the football club. Um, and probably should have been built before the stadium, if we're honest, um, because it's where the players spend most of the time and uh, y- y- your, de- your development takes place. So um, everything's in place now to to take us forward. Yeah, it's a high performance to match the high performance centre, exactly. Uh, Matt, over to you. Some questions for you. Thank you, Patch. Um, Steve, Nigel Pearson, um, the, obviously the, the recruitment of Nigel was, was fairly quick, so I'm assuming it was an impressive interview. And I know that myself, Patch, Paul, and I would say probably to a, a man, woman in child, everybody connected with Bristol City feel that Nigel's the exact type of manager we need to take us 
to the next level in the ultimate goal that, that you want and we want with the Premier League. I just wondered, what was it that impressed you most about Nigel? And then secondly, are we any nearer to knowing if Nigel will be with us next season and beyond? We got to a point, didn't we, where, uh, I mean, I'm not sure, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences here. Yeah, oh, the, num- the number of games we were losing, uh, the way we were performing, um, just, just it, well, I think everybody said it for me, really. It, 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 it rang alarm bells um, and we were on a slippery slope and we had to stop that. Um, and we needed to act fairly quickly. I thought we, I thought we might buy ourselves some time, if I'm honest, with the appointment of the, the, the um, assistants um, to take charge. But to be honest, that didn't work. Um, and, they, um, and they admitted it as well. They, you know, they said, you need to appoint somebody quickly. So that, I want to say that now at our choice down a bit, but a lot of people that we've, we had on our list and everything else were longer term uh, projects. Um, so, um, and Nigel was, was available, um, um, had, had, had made inquiries to his representatives. Um, and we thought, yeah, obviously CV meets the, meets the requirement. Let, let's talk to him. So we, we did this <laughs> Zoom, uh, <laughs> right. conversation um, very quickly. Um, again, as you can tell from talking to somebody like Nigel, is he going to be somebody that's going to be awkward? Is he somebody that's going to be, you know, work, work on the same wavelength as you? Um, is he somebody that really wants to do it, or is it just a, a, a fill-in? Um, and all all the answers back to that were, were positive. Um, we didn't feel we, we, you know, we felt that he was, you know, certainly to certainly for the first thing, which is an appointment to the end of the season, which is what we're looking to to get ourselves to, was absolutely spot on for us for that. Um, and also, ideally, as you want to do with any scenario, it gives you a chance for him to find out about us and for us to find out about him. Of course. Um, so. so in answer to your last question, I can't give you any uh, indication as to whether this is long term or not at this stage. We're, we're both, all of us are working as if it is long term. Um, but, uh, you know, we will make those decisions over the next few weeks. Um, and what most important thing for me is that I need to get in front of him personally. Um, yes, you know, I've not, I've not I've not physically met him yet. Um, right. I've firstly met him, but not physically met him. So, uh, and that's that's a that's a that's a that's a thing. But yeah, you know, I mean, I speak to him regularly. I, mean, I spoke to him last night. Um, so you know, yeah, I'm hearing he's given lots of good feedback on the on the club as a whole um, and and the staff and and the players. Uh, a lot of it very positive. A lot of it very very good. But some obviously in the indicating where we need to to, to stiffen our our backbone a bit and and and, uh, and and get better. He's very impressed with the high performance centre. He thinks it's absolutely a marvellous um, setup. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's so you know our relationship is good. So uh, give I don't, uh, give anything away in that sense. Um, and you know we work towards getting together, which will be in a few weeks' time, um, to um, to discuss things properly. Excellent. And it'll be your first chance, Steve, to see the high performance centre yourself, I guess. It will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the videos like you. Yeah, very <laughs> impressive. Yeah. That must be that must be hard. Something that you're that you're putting a lot of money into to 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 not to not be able to see it first, not to cut the ribbon, so to speak. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's more important that it's there and it's open and it's operational. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, 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 to be honest, the last time I saw it, it was a played field. Mm. Um, um, you know, with the with the bears, I, at least I've seen that as it was being constructed. So I got a feel for the space and everything. But with yeah. with the you know with, with the Robins High Performance Centre, not not a chance to get anywhere near it yet. So um, I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope that'll be in, in the near future too. Excellent, brilliant. Um, the next question is around um, sort of decision making, Steve. Um, as fans, we were 
we desperately wanted Lee Johnson to succeed because A, he literally got us bouncing around the ground. B, his allegiance to the club and of his history with his dad. And C, that the highs that we reached in that Carabao Cup, you know, at, at half time at the Etihad when we were 1 0 up, I literally was singing the song, We are by far the greatest team the world has ever seen, and <laughs> believing it because and we're. Tune. <laughs> and the tune, yeah, I don't want to sing for you. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, a change was necessary. We, we, myself and Matt, the news broke whilst we were recording the bonus show, and it's um, it's on uh, on Twitter, and you could see in our face, and we were quite emotional. We were quite emotional about that. But I can only imagine how difficult that was for you as a message to deliver. You've made some massive decisions in your time. Obviously, we've spoken about Hargreaves Landsline on the regular show um, as a business and Bristol Sport. But was that one of the hardest decisions for you? Oh, it was very hard, yeah. I mean, you know, Lee's a friend as much as, a you know, a, 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 as, as he was then head coach and, uh, you know, somebody that has given a lot of his time and effort to the football club to make it successful. And we had some good times. I think people must never forget those good times. Um, I still keep in touch with Lee now, you know, I, I WhatsApp him after he looks like he'd be playing us next season. So, uh, you know, that would, that would be great. And, and I'm so pleased for him that he's doing it. He needs that success. Um, and I think, you know, coming back to where, where with Lee with us is we all make mistakes. And I think he, he'll, he will have, a, you know, either taken the time out now to assess where he could have done better uh, at Bristol City. Um uh, but what, where we got to really was that again it was that thing we, you know he we, he'd been given the time um you know he's, he was with us sort of four and a half years I think mm. um and and going into the last year of a um his, of his, as his managerial contract so we were in a situation where we either were um, and to be honest the the year we 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 got to the semi final we should have at least been in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, if not promoted, the following year, um, I felt we should have got there. You know, so it, it, you, you, we were on that cusp, and we weren't quite getting over the line. And and, and there comes a point where you say to yourself, "Is good, but is he that good? Is he?" It? And I said to, when when Lee, I said when he left, I said, "Look, I'm 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 really I'm desperately sorry it hasn't worked out with us, and it looks like you're going to have to go and get your success with somebody else, which is going to upset me." Um, but it's, it's, it's the right thing for you. Um, he didn't believe that at the time, but I think he would when they see that. Um, and, uh, you know, Lee and I go back a long time because um, obviously as a player, and his father you know, being manager and then as a player, but also when um, when he when he left and, and went, to, went into management, um, you know, he came to see me and he, he gave his presentations and everything else about what he was doing and how he wanted to do it and how he should present. And I helped 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 him with that. Um, so when he went to um, Oldham for the first job, you know, I get I was part on his references. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, same same with you know with the with the Barnsley situation when he went there, he consulted with me before he went there. And when our position came up, um, I wasn't really thinking that he would be ready for us at that time, but he was adamant that he was, he was confident that he was, and so we we took the opportunity to bring him in, and and it worked very very well. Um, but I think he was so desperate for that success that he didn't quite, he didn't have that calm mouse to get us over the line. So, you know, he changed the team quite often. He changed the formation quite often. It was too many changes on the way. Now, if it works, it's great. But if it doesn't, then mm. it just leads to confusion. And I think that's where we were. And when we came out, if you go back to the scenario, what happened was we've gone into lockdown, hadn't we? 
Um, and we had, what was it, so many games left and we were ready to, and we came back after lockdown and we were pathetic, yeah. to be perfectly honest. Uh, and that was that was the writing on the wall. If you, if you can't gear your players up in that scenario to really go and put the, 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 the bodies on the line for you, um, you've got to ask the question, is, is, it, is it the right thing to do? And so therefore the question wasn't so much, should we keep him on? It's what should we extend his tenure? Because the tenure was coming to the end anyway. So, um, uh, and so we made the decision then that this, this, the change was what was necessary. He hadn't got us there. We needed to get to where we wanted to get to. Mm. And, and uh, that, so that's why we did it, but it was oh. tough. It was tough. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't regret it because it's the right thing to do. Um, but it's, you know, it hurts because you wanted him so desperately to be successful, just so like he did for Bristol City Football Club. Yeah, at least a bit of over the other week, didn't they? So that's that helps. <laughs> Actually, as we said, you yeah, know, it was it was one that it was you know sort of bittersweet because we wanted that success with him. Um, a bit like, you know, we wanted the success with Joe Bryan and Bobby Reed and those those players. But um, as you said, you know, we hope to get him back down Ashton Gate next season with Sunderland so that we can sort of, you know, say goodbye, say say thank you, that sort of thing. And um, that would be fantastic. Yeah. No, it would be great to to, to have them have a Sunderland down at Ashton Gate with the crowd in. Um, yeah. And hopefully then the, the, the supporters would give him, you know, the round of applause and share he deserves. Absolutely. Steve, just in terms of fan engagement, I know we've got a supporters liaison officer who's done a a fabulous job in the last year. You just can't believe, obviously, what's happened in the world. And I think the way the club has risen to that challenge within the community and, and as I say, within the the supporters liaison officer. I just wonder whether there's an opportunity, though, for for slightly more fan engagement. And I'm I'm thinking specifically around the celebration for the 125 years. We had obviously a lot of ex-players who were were led out into the corner of the South Stand. And I sit in the South Stand and and I couldn't even see who some of those players were. And I just felt at the time, and I know from talking to other fans, that we felt that if a, a fan had been involved, in that, that there would have been more of that because some of the names that were there and the players that you'd want to see, and it just felt disappointing in the end. So I just wonder if there's an opportunity for more fan engagement for that type of thing. Um, to be honest, that's probably a question you should address to my son um, um, in, in that regard. But yes, I, I, I was, that's the first I've heard about what you're saying at the, the 125th celebration. Um, so... I like to think that we do open ourselves up to fan engagement all the time and, and looking for that. Um, so the question I'd throw back to you in a way is, is that is it a question of the club not engaging with the fans or is it sometimes the fans not engaging with the, the, the club? And, and it, or is it somewhere in between? Um, because It's exactly that, Steve. It's, it's the in-between, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because, you know, I think we're, we're all, all in favour of, um, uh, you know, doing as much as you possibly can to, to, to involve the supporters and everything else. But I know conversations are going all, on all the time. So um, what I will do is, I'll, I'll, I mean, they hear this anyway. So we'll throw it back into the melting pot and say, well, let's have a bit of a brainstorm on this as to how we can do things better. But, so I think the one thing that you, you do have is that, and, I, and this is not meant to be a criticism, but it's just a fact in, in a way from, from, from our perspective, is that, supporters clubs if you like and 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 the supporters trust they become almost like uh political movements in the Mm. sense we must have an influence on this or we must have and what we must have what we've got to get to the situation is that the supporters themselves or support are working with the club are part of the club not something separate um and i think there's a 10 i think it's probably a 
a disease through football generally, really. That the, 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 the anyway, perhaps supporters want to feel disengaged a little bit because then they've got something to moan about. To moan about. <laughs> no, that's, and that's a fair point, Steve. I mean, I, I think the the example with the the rebrand of the the badge um, mm. and the logo, there was obviously fans involvement in that, and I, I know personally a number of fans that that were involved. It just felt, I think, with that celebration, as I say, it was. Um, lots of us commented afterwards and, and it's a different world now with social media of course and, and you sort of said earlier on there are plenty of fans that will take the opportunity to moan at anything you know if we get to the Premier League someone will moan, moan about that fact but it just felt that scenario that perhaps if a fan there was more of a fan involvement there that it, it would have been slightly different. Okay look I'll take that point on board and I'll feed it back um, and uh, but Rest assured, we we do want as much fun engagement as possible. There's there's no never there's we're never in a debate saying how can we keep them out. We want no, to get them in. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, and, and, we want to be there. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think the, it, it has been tough over the last obviously twelve months or so because you know we've just not been able to see each other. Yeah, um, I think, so. I think as, well, as well, Steve. Obviously, the passion. I don't think there's anything that can replace the passion you feel for your football club. So everything's always heightened. Everyone's always got. Uh, difference of difference of opinion and, and things like that but uh, yeah obviously you coming on this fan produced podcast is a great is a great way of getting fan engagement Fantastic. and uh, you're welcome on every week steve okay <laughs> you can do the, the post-match ratings with us steve yeah. <laughs> i'd love to do that sometime but i learned, I learned ages ago uh, whatever you do don't don't I mean, I, I do have my say about certain players from time to time but I, I try not to because i just know it upsets people of course and you don't and it, it's it's and especially after a match, it's the yeah, worst yeah. time to do it. You don't, you don't, you don't sit in our office waiting for someone to walk round and give us a score out of ten, do we? <laughs> Just as well. <laughs> oh, brilliant, uh, Paul. If it's you, have you got uh, a question for Steve? My question's a bit double-edged. So about the beginning and when you decide to retire. So, how did you come to join the board and subsequently become owner? And then, do you have a clear succession plan in terms of club ownership? When you do decide to retire, yeah, yeah. Well, I, when I first got, <laughs> I got to go back into the real memory banks. Now I, it, was, it was either '96 or '97. Uh, there was an, it was a '96 '97 season, I think. Um, and um, we and Scott Davidson, um, together with John Laycock, sort of led a, a buyout of the, the club at that time, and asked myself and Keith Dorr uh, whether we would. But basically, put some money in and, and join them, which we did. Um, to be honest, at that point in time, I had no desire or inclination to come onto the board of Bristol City Football Club. Um, but then transpired that the following season, um, that uh, Scott and I think John Clapp was the other guy at the time, both went overseas uh, for, for 12 months or so uh, and left the board short and asked whether we'd go onto the board. So we did. I have to point out we got promotion that year. Um, <laughs> well, there, there you go. <laughs> uh, but we also got relegated the following year. Um, but uh, so that that's where we got involved, and and so and, and and I sort of took on the role because I was the accountant of of I won't say FD, but in, in charge of the accounts. And I, I I remember we used to have the AGMs out in um, school in um, Eastern somewhere. Emma was called now, um, and um, and I said, you know, my ambition is for this this club to make a profit. And it took me till last year, the year before last, to to do that. Um, but it was, but he kept looking at. Uh, so I was involved in the background. I was never um, wanting to uh, to be at the forefront. But then, 
to be up with you honest that there was there was discontent amongst the board members during the period um for sorts of silly reasons now when you look back on it but it was it was and so it got to the point where um scott stepped stepped down uh john Lakeup took came on my board he was chairman and I, I became vice chairman and then john decided to step down and i stepped up as chairman which was in 2002 um i remember because i think it was just after we'd been cheltenham at their place um and actually the first game we had was away to oldham as chairman and I, would, I, I wasn't actually going there. It's the last place I ever want to go to watch football, to be honest. It's so cold. <laughs> it's and not the, the greatest, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and at that time, the, 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 the seats for the boardroom de- or the directors were so narrow. Even for me, I couldn't get my legs in there properly. Um, you definitely couldn't jump out of your seat. But having said that, there was nothing much to jump out of your seat for. Um, but the, the, what happened was, so, the, so, the, so from that point on, and then if you actually then follow the progression of Bristol City, and Hargis Zanzone. Hargis Zanzone floated in 2007. So, whereas I helped to fund most of the things between 2002 to 2007, after 2007, I was able to take the club on and fund it more and more. So that's how that 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 sort of took off. So from 2007, I would say in a way, was when I really got in control of the club. Um, um, as for succession, it's always in my mind because I'm not getting any younger, and you never do. Um, uh, been involved now for well, it will be um, well, it's twenty well twenty four years this year from um, and it'll be tw- so twenty five next year. Uh, John is you know very active in 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 involved, so immediate succession is there. Um, but you know I think he's honest enough to say that uh, that's not what he sees as you know. No, but he, he's you know, late thirties. He's not going to do that for the next thirty years. Um, so we 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 have got to look at getting new investment into the club and, and developing it and getting the right people in and in and, and the right structure. But having got to the club to where we are now in the sense of the, the, the stadium and the, um, the training, sorry, high performance centre, um, <laughs> that uh, and, and, and developed a strong squad, I think we're in a very good position to, 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 to and, we, and I'll be honest, we, we will actively be looking, we are actively looking for other investors to come into the, the football club. Um, to expand our brand and expand uh, 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 and go go the club because um, can can we get to the Premiership and be be a sustainable Premiership club as we are now? Yes, we can. We can do it even better with further backing and further investment and, and thought process going forward. But it's, again, like everything else before, it's got to be the right people um, with the right intentions, and, and they've got to buy into our culture and the journey that we're on. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's it's a dead loss. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Steve, a couple more questions before we finish. Just really quick ones. Um, imagine next season you're coming back to the ground. We're allowed back in the ground. We've asked this question on the bonus show before about pre-match superstitions. So have you developed any over the years? We've heard some really, really strange ones, like someone who touches the trolley at Halfords as they come in uh, to the ground, things like that. Have you Have you developed any over time? No, I think I can thank Bristol City for actually destroying any myths that I've had over the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wearing the same underpants and all the various other things. Uh, there, there's, I've there's, done there's, that. <laughs> there are certain things. I, I remember once that, um, uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't like wearing suit and tie to football matches and such like, um, but I do. Um, and because the one time I didn't, uh, I think it was, it was when we were playing Fulham, 
and we were four 0 down at half time, and I thought that's that's a sign I got to wear my tie in future. So uh, um, I do that. But no, I, I, we, I think we all do have some uh, superstitions. It usually happens. You know, we've won a few. You know, we haven't lost a game since I did this. So you carry on doing it for as long as you possibly can, so you don't break the sequence. So we'll always be doing that. But nothing in particular. I don't touch a half foot trolley or anything like that. I can think of. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah. I people. I, I never predict the score. That's one thing I would never do. Everybody says, well, what's the score going to be today? I would never predict it. I'm the same. And, and everybody asks me, you know, how, how are you going to get on today? I say, well, I, you know, I always expect to win. I always exactly. expect to win. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I know what football's all about. So it doesn't always work out that way. But I always expect to win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just want to get back there to watching it. You know, exactly. same as everybody yeah. else. It's, it's, it's been such a... And watching it on the TV, however good the, the streaming is, and, and to fair play to Lisa and Co, you know, in what they pr- produce for Robin's TV, which is excellent compared to a lot, um, it's just not the same. You know, the fact of, uh, and, and even though the crowd noise can be quite well done at times, it's still not the same. Um, so we all want to get back there. I think the, I don't think it's helped us at all over the year. I know every, every team's been in the same boat, but we've we've certainly. We've looked lost at times, I think, in, during this COVID time. And I think uh, probably other teams have gone through it, but we look lost more, more than most. What's interesting is there's certain players that we've got now, sort of, you classify as first team regulars, who have never played in front of a crowd yet. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and so, so every player is different. Every player's mindset's different. I know it's the same for every team, but we may have some players who need that 12th man, need that that g g up that um you know get the crowd going um so yeah everyone says it's the same for every team but not every man's the same not every player's the same so uh, i think that's an important thing to you, know, one of, you know one of my pet theories i've got no proof of this it's just me thinking out loud of things is that you know our home form has not been great um yeah you know when when we turn up at home we've got all the facilities and everything there it's fantastic but of course that's where you need your crowd because they're the ones that Put the, hopefully put the fear of God into the opposition and 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 raise the the, the spirits and the, and the focus of the your own players, which we don't have playing at home and, and while it's an empty stadium we don't have. When the players go away from home, and they and they're asked to change and 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 frequent some pretty awful facilities, you know, the back bar somewhere or um, you know that they haven't got showers or yeah, people don't realise that they're not going into luxurious accommodation or proper changing facilities and they're, they're coming out onto the pitch but it, it does create a bit of a, a Dunkirk spirit almost yeah. uh, you know uh, um, and uh, so I think that, that that it's interesting that that aspect of the that our form away from home is quite good um, and, and 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 they stick together because they're in adversity whereas when at home we're not you know the the, the adversity is not there so much and then they, they, they need that's when they need the supporters to, to, to raise it and I think we've certainly missed on that um uh, and uh yeah hopefully not this afternoon hopefully it'll turn and we'll um put in a great display and uh yeah that's what we want to see we want to see the team playing well as first and foremost and then getting the results don't we absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. so fi- final question uh we've had some great days great nights at ashton gate um i interviewed jeff stellin back in uh back in last year and he was at the heart of Paul game uh, where obviously we we, we won 2-1 with that last last minute couple of goals um and he said that he'd never felt a ground shake and this is coming from jeff Stellin, who i imagine has been to, to a number of games um man united game as well at home 
two two ideas for you, but you may have your own. What's your what's your best day slash night ever at Ashton Gate in terms of football? Well, I'm going to talk about if I can talk about those two as well because I, I I I was there at the Hartlepool game and uh, I don't know if you remember in that in that game in the first half Hartlepool hit the post mm. as well um, and. Uh, Jeff Stelling and I were actually stood next to each other watching the replays on the TV at halftime. Oh, right. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and they kept playing it over and over. And I turned to him and said, however long you watch it, it's not going to go in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but yeah, that was, a, that was a great night. And I think Graham Paul was refereeing that day and he made the same comment. You know, he's, he's been in lots of big grounds and big crowds, but the, the noise and, and the reverberation around the ground when, that, uh, when, the, when the second goal went in was unbelievable. Uh, so that was, that was a fantastic night. Disappointing final, of course. Um, uh, Manchester United, I mean, yeah, the, the Corey Smith goal, man, I mean, actually, um, Joe Bynes' goal as well, but the Corey Smith moment, um, yeah, I mean, that's just the magical moment. I think every time I see it, you know, hairs on the back of your neck, it's yeah. just unbelievable. Um, but I think yeah, the one I, I emotional I, just thinking about it, Steve, to be honest, I know, <laughs> I know, it's, it, it shows it shows what we're capable of. I think that's the thing, is also that I, I, I think we, we should always keep that in mind, but. Um, yeah, I, the game that I always talk about is the Mansfield away um, when we were, you know, four-two down with three minutes yeah, to go, yeah. and we won five-four. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was just unbelievable, because particularly because most of the fans had disappeared from the away end, <laughs> heading home down the, the M1. Never leave um, early. That's the message to the Bristol yeah. City fans. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but the, the stories that came out of that are people who had left, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But it, it was it was interesting just just going back to that because they played about five or six minutes of extra time, and in the in the in the boardroom afterwards, I mean the the Mansfield guys were just absolutely furious, absolutely furious, <laughs> um, and we we stayed outside for a while because I mean, we just knew they were going to be that way, and they they they, they hadn't been calm that much by the time we got in there, but the a, a chat came over to me and he was the referee's assessor, and he said that he said just ignore what they're saying, he said because you know I timed everything it was absolutely spot on and what made it actually quite um uh, interesting was that the, the, i can't remember his name now i've got a feeling it might be styles but i might be just guessing on that anyway he was the referee that refereed the uh uh leyland daft cup final whatever it was at wembley that we've been to when we lost 2-1 to stoke, stoke about yeah. the week or so before um and uh, and uh, we were really upset with him at that game. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he was he was nice to us at the Mansfield game. But that was that. that I think that's, that just tells you everything about football. You know, yeah. the fact is the game can change in an instant, um, and you should always stay and watch that the whole game, never give up. Um, and that's that's why we love it. The yeah. fact that uh, and you know the the the, the Brown Hill goal that uh, Tracy Palmer put the ball over. Again, I can't remember who was against there in the last minute. Charlton, Charlton that's right. Yeah. yeah. Again, where well, we should have you know, had it sewn up and we're making hard work of it. And suddenly you get that winner. It's just there's no, you can't, there's you can't no believe the emotion like you go through. No feeling like it. The, the Man United game, there's a, a young lad stood next to me and, and I was crying. Corey Smith scored, I'm crying. Mm-hmm. And this lad and the flags, the, the, that night, the way that it was done with the flags. And I said to this young lad, just take this in. I've been following the club 45 years these moments don't come around like this very often. So just mm. take it in. And it was just, it, it lives with you to your, your dying day, doesn't it? That sort of feeling. It's just, yeah. I don't think there's anything else that gives you that buzz. 
Yeah, I know you want to finish, Patch, but I got to mention that Louis Donner were a goal against the Rovers years ago. Steve, we can go on. We can go on till three o'clock if you want. <laughs> I can see it now, Steve. That goal because and again, I was in the I was in the Williams stand and uh, you know just on my season ticket at the time and. I, I I can't remember. Was it the game where we probably had five thousand more in the ground than we should have had? I can't remember. It was one of those. It, it was packed a, anyway. Yeah, it was. And but when that goal went, I don't know why I ended up. To be honest, it was, it was just all over the place. Yeah. It, was, it was just a fantastic moment. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. Some absolutely amazing memories and. Thank you so much, Steve, for for sharing some of your memories, and uh, it's been a great honour to have you on. So thank you so much, um, Paul. Obviously, as a as a sponsor of Bristol City, I know you mentioned on the the, the podcast that we did earlier. So the, we have done a regular show um, with, interview with Steve Lansdowne, um, myself and Rich. So that one will be coming out next week. So please do listen to that as well. But you spoke about how important sponsors have been as well during, particularly during the last the last year in, in COVID times. Um, how, how how important are sponsors, Steve? Just to touch on that. Well, they're vital, um, and, and uh, well, obviously we could do with a few more. Um, but uh, no, uh, Paul. First, thank you for your support. Uh, it is much appreciated. So much appreciated. It's hard to put it into words, really. The one thing that COVID will do for all of us, whatever business we're in, but certainly in the football world, um, it was it strips us back to the bare bones. Um, you know, when we produce our numbers to the 31st of May this year, they will be horrific. Um, and I hope when people see that, that they recognise what it takes to run a football club at the level we're at um, and what is being invested into it to make it, to keep it there. Um, you know, during the course of this year, you know, we've paid our players, we've paid our staff, we've kept as many staff on as we possibly can. Um, we've carried on with the performance centre, we've kept investing on the in the belief, and I and I do strongly believe that we're going to come back and we're going to come back stronger. But if this, if we didn't have the added support of sponsors who have supported what we're doing, uh, fans who have you know, put their hands in the pockets of the streaming and everything else. So you, you mentioned about uh, the season tickets coming out. Um, again, that is a, such an important revenue stream for us going forward. Um, and but people will see that how much of that goes towards what we're talking about. And it's a very expensive business is football these days, very expensive business. We're all trying to curtail our costs, keep them under control, keep wages under control and everything else. Um, but we also want to be successful. We want to have, have a good product. And so everybody that's part of the, the, the team, whether it's the fans, whether it's the sponsors, whether it's the investors, um, it's also important to, um, to, to, to make it successful and to make it sustainable. And uh, I just thank I thank everybody, really, um, because it's so important. We we you can't just do it by yourself. Whatever, whatever position you're in, you're not, you're not alone. That's the point. Yeah. yeah, several key cogs to run a football team and to run Bristol Sport. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, good luck to the team today. We'll be back after this musical interlude with our review of hopefully three points at Ashton Gate. Thanks everyone for listening. Three Thanks. podcast. Hello, welcome back. Uh, that isn't the performance that we deserved, and it certainly isn't the performance that Steve Lansdowne deserves. Uh, Matt, just focus on the positives. A great interview with Steve Lansdowne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there's there, there genuinely is nothing positive you can say about that 90 minutes I've just watched. Um, it was a shambles, absolute shambles. Yeah. But uh, just back to the interview very quickly. Um, 
to be fair, he answered every question that we asked him, um, full answers, um, and never asked for any questions up front in terms of what you're going to ask, uh, which I thought it was fantastic. And and big thanks to everyone involved in making that happen, from, from Dave Barton to, to Lisa Knights to Paul Archer from the Nexus Group and yourself, Matt, for uh, for getting involved uh, in it, asking it, questions. It, it was an honour, mate. Honestly, I, you, you know what I think of Steve Lansdowne and what he's done for, for my football club um, and 100% agree. You know, we didn't... I sort of said to you before, didn't I, were we going to have to send questions, any prep in... Um, and we didn't. And yeah, he, he gave a, a full and honest answer to every question. I thought it was it was really, really enjoyable. Um, and I, any any Bristol City fan will enjoy listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. And also just to touch on uh, midweek. So Wednesday, I interviewed on the Robins Reunited show of Three Peeps in a Podcast, Lewis Carey, Scott Murray and Tony Thorpe. And again, an hour and 45 minutes of three mates just shooting the breeze just and taking the mick out of each other. Yeah. <laughs> and that is exactly what we wanted from, yeah. from Robins reunited. So myself and Joe Burnell, who's the sponsor of the show, this is, this is exactly what we wanted. So that's episode four now. Um, yeah. And we've got several more lined up um, in the pipeline. So uh, really looking forward to getting some more of those, but we, we do have to come on to today's game. Um, and we're joined by Steve for the, the second half, but it's Steve Coates, who plays five-a-side with me on a Monday night. Steve, how are you, sir? You're yeah, well, not too bad, Pat, yourself? Yeah, I, well, I'm all right. I'm still I'm still on a high, if I'm honest, after the after this morning's events. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you guys got the uh, got the high of Steve Lansdowne to, uh, <laughs> to carry you through this, because, quite frankly, that 90 minutes was, uh, yeah, well, was... disappointing is probably the best way to describe it. One foot on the beach, I think, um, is how I would, would describe it some of that but um let's go through the motions so matt four changes for city uh Cessignon, walsh odauda and jiju all coming out uh with roe lansbury semenyo and bell coming in your thoughts on the starting lineup matt first yeah um no no surprise obviously with with odauda coming out um and similarly with with Cessignon in and famara um because of the International football, I think they, they only got back yesterday. Um, the surprise for me, um, and I'll be really interested to see what, what the, the reasoning is for it, is Liam Walsh not featuring at all. Um, and as horrible as it is to say, I hope it's because of an injury. Um, because anything else, then you think that that kind of seals the, the fact he's unlikely to be here next season, isn't it? But um, yeah, you know, I, I wasn't surprised with the changes. Great to see Sam Bell start. Just a, an absolute tragedy for the guy, for the way the game kind of well it didn't even really get going for you, did it? And you could see just how much, yeah, yeah, and that that devastating he was with Sam Bell playing in the game. You know, you we always knew that there was going to be that element of we haven't seen this 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 lad start a game before. I'm interested mm. to see what he's capable of. You know, starting, um, yeah, and a different way of playing as well with with two sort of quick men relatively quick men in, in terms of Naki, but, um, you know, we, we didn't have Famara to go long, hold the ball up in the same way. Mm. I'm not sure that message got through to the rest of the players because we were still from fullback positions, knocking the ball into Naki Wells as if he was Famara, um, which, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Steve just said on, they're disappointing, but I just yeah. Just on Liam I, Walsh, the mm. interview on Radio Bristol before the game with Nigel Pearson, he did intimate that it was an injury. Did he? Right, okay. He don't know what injury, but right. um an injury nonetheless. But yeah. Steve, I mean, obviously I say I hope it is patched, but yeah. I don't I don't mean that to be a serious injury. No, no, no. Just a knock that keeps him out, but yeah. Absolutely. Steve, your thoughts on the, the starting lineup and the formation. Yeah, well I thought the same as you guys. Sam Bell coming in, it's always nice to see a youngster be given an opportunity. It is the right time to do it, like sounding cliche about the end of the season and nothing to play for. But it is exactly that. And Sam Bell, we've seen fleeting glances of him, but not really in a uh, top of the top of the pitch striker position. He's kind of come on and floated around in a few different places whilst he's come on to try and make an impact. So I just feel terribly sorry for the kid that he's mm. uh, he's succumbed to the same fate as the. Um, probably the 15 or 16 other players that have uh, found themselves on the treatment table so far this season. And, and I couldn't tell from uh, from the uh, from the injury exactly what it was. It certainly looked like when he was down that he was holding his hamstring, which yeah, has been our... 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, which I'm going to use a, a strange pun here, but our Achilles heel all season in terms of... <laughs> our Achilles hamstring, yeah. yeah. In terms <laughs> of... Uh, in terms of injuries, so uh, yeah. you know, there's obviously, and I'm sure that this has been discussed to, to, to death so far this season. There's obviously something wrong somewhere on the line for so many players to be suffering. But ultimately, you feel more sorry for Sam Bell than you do most because it was his big, big opportunity, and yeah. and I sincerely hope that the opportunity comes for him again, um, because otherwise, you see players sort of come and go, um, and uh, and we end up losing those players um, from uh, from potentially being great or very good players for us and being the next one on the uh, on the production line, which has been very, very good for us. Albeit we've not really seen too many attacking players come through uh, yeah. so far. So hoping he was going to be the one. But yeah, him and the formation, it was a, an interesting formation. I think it, it, this is a Nigel Pearson formation with two sitting midfielders. Uh, Palmer, who, who has been given a new lease of life, albeit he faded um, towards the end of the game today but probably tired of doing all of the creative hard work I imagine mm. um, and uh, uh, it looked very uh, a very solid formation but as we saw with one shot on target not one that's going to create too many chances despite having three up uh, up mm. top to start with but we didn't see that for very long and we didn't see it again until Gigi came on later in the game so yeah that was uh, that was my real thoughts on the formation solid but um, mm. unspectacular as it turned out Okay, cool. Thank you, Steve. Um, someone in our WhatsApp group, Phil, pointed out um, something that was quite interesting. Um, it was Pearson um, that actually got Vyman and Martin to do some analysis on Stoke and present it to the squad. You said that they even um, gave them a tracksuit with their initials on to present it and told them that everyone is part of the team, even if they're injured. Matt, that was really interesting, that. Yeah, it was. And and you've got two strikers that, that have been around this level, um, know what it's like playing against Stoke. Um, and and now that we've got the, the high performance centre, they can all be in the same building. Um, and as Chris Martin said, it, it it means they feel very much part of it, which going forward is is really important, isn't it? For for what Nigel Pearson has said in terms of he wants a team that all know what they want to do, all know have the same attitude. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see, um, although I'm sure plenty of people will put on 
fans forums and stuff that what have we not got our own coaching ideas and we've got to get players and doing it but yeah, i think it's more I, a, I personally look i quite liked that idea yeah. yeah it's more of a i think it's more of a bringing them along in terms of keeping them involved and also they're two players that are in the not in the twilight years quite yet but you know what i mean in terms of looking well, to the future given looking that, at, a bit of experience yeah looking at coaching stuff i mean i think um the fact that they had to do the presentation and things like that in the in the new sort of um, I don't know what you'd call it, but you know, that kind of media type auditorium that they've got there. Um, it can only be a good thing to keep to keep players like that involved that are out potentially for the season. Um, it gives them that feeling of being part of it, doesn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. OK, let's go through the minutes. Um, so second minute, great pressing from Antoine Semenyo leads to a corner. And that was a corner that was whipped in really well. And it was great to see a left footed Tommy Rowe take that corner and that was a good start. We've Steve on the podcast. We've often moaned about corners and free kicks, not getting yeah. past the first defender. And it was great to see that one. It, it was, it hit the far post and, you know, bar, uh, bar some good defending from, from Stoke. That was a, it would have created a good opportunity, but yeah, I mean, for, for years we've, uh, I mean, it was a, a bit of a hoodoo for many years that we never scored from corners. And we seem to have picked that mantle up again in uh, the last couple of, uh, couple of years since Aidan Flint's probably gone. And, um, and uh, and gone back to not really creating too many good chances or goals from from corners, but that was a, that was an excellent delivery. It really was. Um, mm. I and mean, we worked a good couple of opportunities from from corners, but yeah. I won't go on to uh, to to tread on any uh, any minutes toes up with that. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, there was a good corner, good corner, yeah. deserved Matt, the goal. Matt is a big fan of Tommy Rowe. How happy were you to see him back in the team, Matt? Uh, happy with that corner, not so happy with then <laughs> what happened a bit later on. But again, you know, you, you want a left-footed player playing left-back. Um, and, you know, you can put Jack Hunt over there, you can put Simpson over. I thought Simpson, when he came on, actually did okay, to be fair to him. Um, but I think it's different at, at the back than it is anywhere else on the pitch. The, the, the balance that you need to defend in your body shape, you've got to be that, you know, on the left hand. So you've got to be a left-footed player for me. Okay. Into the 13th minute, uh, Lansbury picked up his 12th yellow card in four games um, after a sloppy tackle and could have broke could have broke the lad's leg. I don't know if it, would you pick up on that one, Steve? Well, I, I just thought it was a lazy challenge, quite simply. He got caught square with Powell running towards him. I know he, he came across to him, but he never looked like he was going to make a decent challenge. So uh, I think he caught him on the top of his foot that I, that I recall, but... Um, but it was it was poorly timed challenge, poorly timed run. Didn't see what what power was gonna gonna try and do. And and sadly, I mean for Lansbury, I don't know about you guys, but for me, he's uh, he's turning into that classic journeyman pro. And uh, I don't see. I know he's he's vastly experienced, but that's another example of a, a player that uh, just doesn't quite have it, even yeah. though he's got it. If that makes sense. So yeah, he's he's not prepared to bring everything out of his locker and uh, and do what he needs to do. So yeah, he deserved that yellow card because it was a very poorly timed challenge. And was that uh, a tackle on Powell as well? Was it on yeah, Powell? Yeah, okay. was, yeah. Like that that explains the rest of the game then in terms of Powell get, getting involved. Yeah. With, with but he's lots, he's lots. that he's that sort of player, Nick Powell. I mean, he was he was brought up at Crew and then obviously spent a lot of time at Man United, although he didn't feature that much. But he he is a, a kind of niggly getting your ear type of player but I think Steve summed it up brilliantly it was a lazy challenge from Lansbury and I'm fed up of seeing it and and I, I make no bones about it I don't want to see the bloke in the city shirt again I really don't I don't think he gives us anything in all the games he's played in James in our WhatsApp group sort of said I'd like to see him play sort of till the end of the season and then we can judge him 
I've seen absolutely enough that he doesn't, for a man picking up the sort of money he's picking up and the experience he's got, he brings none of that to this side. None of it, other than giving away cheap free kicks and bookings. I'd like I'd like to think, Matt, that that if Liam Walsh wasn't injured today, then yeah. he was he was the shoe-in to start in that position. Yeah. And and Lansbury is just filling a gap. But uh, if, that, if he's going to play deep like that, Steve, and, and his role is that defensive sitting a bit deeper, stick Zach Viner in there. I'd rather yeah. Zach, Zach Viner is going to be the future. Completely Bring agree. Alex Scott in on the bench so that Alex Scott can play the, the more forward sort of play. Um, any of them. I, I've, I've had enough of, of Lansbury. I've seen nothing of him to warrant that, hey, how he starts. Um, but going forward, no, not not for me. No just, chance. Just to be clear, Matt, you don't want to see Lansbury play again. No, no, I don't. <laughs> and he, he can get in the same That's... Uber as Jack Hunt. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeez. right, on to the 14th minute. Unfortunately, this is when Sam Bell comes off injured and I just I yeah. didn't see what happened, but absolutely gutted for the lad. But what was interesting yeah. for me was Tyreek Backinson coming on uh, for Sam Bell. Um, I didn't quite understand the substitution. I, I mean, I would have more. I thought Jiju would have, would have come on, but it was my assumption with Tyreek coming on that that Nigel wanted to see how Wells performed down the middle as opposed to bringing Jiju on. That's the only thing I can think. Steve, have you got any thoughts? Well, it, it, exactly that. That ultimately it was a case of you know Backinson operates in the the number ten role, albeit Palmer was already operating in that role, and that probably explains why Backinson was. A little bit anonymous for mm. uh, uh, for a large period of that first half. Well, after he came on, but yeah, it did make sense then that if you're going to have those two players sat in behind, that that Wells and Semenya were going to get the ball in behind, uh, and it did happen on occasion, um, but nowhere near uh, as often as we, we would like. It just simply didn't work. It simply what, didn't. What work, do you yeah. think the brief was for him, Steve? What what was he told when he went on to where he was going to play? Because like you've said, it seemed to be as a ten. Case is already playing there. Antoine didn't go down the middle, so he didn't go wide. It was it was almost well. I put in there. I don't I don't know what shape we're playing now. I don't know what Tyreek's being asked to do. It was like a four two 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 almost, and it yeah. just did, didn't didn't get. But it didn't any... end up as a two, did it? It didn't. No, not really. It was just it was all very and it it made. I suppose if we if we consider what happened after that, it 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 meant that all of a sudden we we lost our shape and we looked. Yeah very very ragged from that point onwards and and we you know we didn't start the game like an express train but we certainly started very brightly the, the yeah. injury seemed to you know injuries and can sometimes that lull uh whilst that player goes off yeah. can affect the the the, the um uh, the rhythm of the game but certainly after that we just we just showed nothing um and and it allowed stoke to to shoe themselves back into the game yeah. and of course we know what comes next really but um but yeah it was uh it was a very odd set up yeah. after that and it didn't work and, and perhaps you made the uh the obvious uh statement that it really was just crying out for a Gigi to come on and now i understand he's been on to international duty but he hadn't played too much on international duty and it's not a uh it's not beyond the uh the wit of a professional footballer to, to be able to come on and, and play 75 minutes what did he play yesterday 16 minutes wasn't it someone yeah. said i think which yeah you know or i know it, it? i know it's traveling but he yeah. would have been on a plane you know coming back i just for me, just find it a, a really, really strange decision and actually tainted my view of Tyreek for that first bit because I thought he looked really lost and ordinary. Um, and I don't know if it was Rob Patch in our group that sort of said it felt like we were playing four at the back and then six just running around and not really yeah. having any shape. And it, and it did feel like that, didn't it? 
yeah, a bit strange. Okay, um, into the 15th minute, there was a bit of pinball in the box and it sort of came off of Fletcher's head. I don't know how much he knew about it, but luckily it went wide. But that's the sort of goal that we've been conceding lately, isn't it, Matt? That's that one that comes completely out of nowhere. Yeah, it was a free kick, wasn't it? And the, the ball came in and it was the first header was sort of on to Fletcher. He, he didn't know anything about it. But when you when you were looking at it from the camera angle, you're thinking it's really close. And actually behind the goal, it, it, it was nowhere near, was it? You know, yeah. But but Bentley was rooted. Had it been on target, it was a goal. Yeah. yeah. But the goal did come on the 24th minute. It was a long ball over the top, um, went over Tommy Rowe, um, and it's got played inside to Powell, who seemingly played a 1-2 with Mariapa and, <laughs> uh, and slotted it in. Obviously, Mariapa did try and clear it, but fortunately it fell straight to, to Nick Powell, who, who finished well. Uh, Steve, your thoughts on the goal? Well, I think... It's in direct relation to the the formation change, if you like, that we seem to lose the the midfield, and it seemed to force Jack Hunt and Tommy Rowe to end up trying to pick up their fullbacks because we were so narrow in midfield. And I think I'm not I'm not a, a, as big a fan of Tommy Rowe as uh, as Matt is clearly. <laughs> I'm not Steve. <laughs> oh, right, yes, I didn't pick up on that. It's a, it's yeah, an, no, it's a joke. joke that Patch, yeah, Patch yeah. has got me starting a fan club because I used to slag him off every game. Ah, <laughs> uh, right, fair enough. I, my respect for you is returning. Uh, but, but, but just on Tommy Rowe, uh, the, he has improved. He has improved, and, and yeah. just a bit of history for you, for you, Steve. So it started out as me, you know, it's a bit of a jibe. And then Tommy Rowe obviously grew into his into his role, but unfortunately yeah. then got injured because, you know, he was our only left left yeah. back available. And he was been, a consistent when he was. He's been Mr. Flexible yeah. for us ever yeah. since the day he signed. So uh, yeah. no, no slagging off Tommy Rowe, please. No, no, no. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Rowe's been a, a good pro, but he's a, a six and a half out of 10 type of player. And, and at yeah. this level, you need to be a seven and a half minimum to, to be performing against the players you're you're going to have to perform against week in week out, and that's why I think whilst he got caught out on that ball, it was a formation change for me that led to him getting caught underneath it, and all of a sudden they're in down the channel and and we're stretched at the back. So uh, I don't criticise him so much. He, he was the same as every other player on that on the pitch at that point. Still get trying to get used to what was going on in front of him. So uh, that's. Uh, that's how we saw how it came about. And mm. it was, you know, it was then all too easy for them to to force the ball home. And, and again, you know, if we're going to criticise the fact we got four midfielders on the pitch at that point and two holding midfielders, who was picking up Nick Powell and his run into the box to allow him to have one bite and then two bites at it yeah. uh, and eventually score. So it was just a bit of a, a shambles defensively from yeah. that perspective. Uh, I think for, for me, Rowe... Obviously, yeah, he got he got caught under it, and that was really poor. The Mariapa one, he he, he kind of set himself for a block, but wasn't moving for it at all. So it was almost like his feet were in concrete. It hits him, and the ball comes back. And exactly like Steve said, who's picking up Powell? Callas was slow to anticipate. Bents kind of came out, but but got nowhere. But it was such a poor goal to concede after really not looking in any kind of danger. Not that we did then, you know, threaten them at all, but they didn't offer anything stoked, did they, up to that point? And it was, yeah. They were very reliant. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say it's typical of a goal that we would concede under yeah. under holding yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, for, for the fact that we just get caught out from a shape or positional perspective or stretched yeah. and and it was all too easy for the opposition to force the ball home. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's... Uh, it, it's it's clearly something that Pearson will want to work on. I'm sure that there's a raft of things he wants to work on, um, but that that has to be one of them. But you know, ultimately, he his his decision to 
changed the midfield around. Allowed Tommy Rowe to get caught out in no man's land. Um, and that goal was too easy for them to to score quite simply. So, what followed uh, was probably our brightest spell of the game. Uh, in the thirtieth and thirty first minute, we had two attacks. The second one was a lovely pass from Casey Palmer, but it didn't quite find Semenyo. But you could see that that he was that there was effort, there was that there was intent. Um, and then shortly after that, it was an exquisite pass from Masengo to to Semenyo. Uh, and it was a well-taken shot on target that was saved by the keeper. And, and that that sort of five to seven minute spell, Matt, was showing that we we got a goal down, but we're, you know, we're still in the game trying to get back in. Yeah, and, and you've said there are three three players there that um aside from a, a, a stupid free kick that Casey gave away, but the three players there were the, the only three players for me that, that showed anything today. Any kind of energy, any kind of attacking intent. Um, Casey is always trying to do that, but as, as Steve called out, he's kind of the only creative element that we've got in there. Says so I'm going to try and do it all, but you couldn't question his work rate as well today. You know, he was he was flying into challenges. The ball from Hanno was superb. Um, Antoine, I thought, was our only bright spark up front. I mean, Naki Wells, dear oh dear, today. And actually, when you looked at that chance, it's a penalty. It's a penalty mm. on on. Antoine, if Antoine doesn't hit the shot, the ref has to give a penalty because Danny Bath has pushed him full arm, pushed him in the back. It's a penalty, but he doesn't. He takes the shot and then the ref gives the ref a, an easier decision. To and is, is that something make. that uh, obviously, you know, goals win games, but is that something that needs coaching into players from someone like Chris Martin? Possibly. And it's not but something it's part, you want to encourage, is it? That's exactly it. It's part of the game I hate um, because I love to see the fact that he did, he did take the shot, but... Um, you know, would that have been Fletcher the other way? Would Fletcher have done that? You know, or would he have looked to try and buy the pen? Maybe the way that the speed of the action, um, you know, Antoine probably had to take the shot. But, you know, for, for me, VAR looks at that as a penalty. Because as I say, it's a full arm in the middle of his back. Um, and you're, you're right, Patrick, it was the only kind of bright spell that we had there. And, and as I say, all those those three players, for me, were the only ones that showed the, the right energy and attitude today. Mm, okay. Uh, 39th minute, Nick Powell getting under the skin of a few, notably Antoine Semenyo. I'm going to come to Steve on this one for no reason. Well, quite simply, Powell has or has or had done it throughout all of the game. Little niggly, little comments, pushes, shoves. In this instance, I'm, it's, it's where Semenyo is fouled. Uh, as he's on the floor, Powell boots the ball at him and mm. Semenyo rightly gets up aggrieved. But what Powell got was the reaction he was exactly looking for. And I suppose really touching on what Matt said about perhaps a touch of naivety when he's through on goal and uh, and not buying the penalty. He's also got up and reacted to it rather than giving him a wink and wandering off, which would have in turn got under his skin. And I know this is me talking here, Patch. <laughs> <laughs> fiber sides coming out now. We're seeing. Oh, all yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I promised. Yeah. I, right. I promised I wouldn't co- cover anything about fiber side. I, I but, thought I'd just get there first. Yeah, you're 100 right. That that was the way you should have reacted. If he pushes, yeah. uh, if he pushes above the neck, is that's a, a red card, isn't it? I guess. Well, it is. It is a. It is a red. I mean, I yeah. was surprised actually didn't get booked because yeah. he has shoved him, and yeah. no matter what came before, really, both of them should have got. So we got a booking yeah. for that, and I'm not for sort of. Petty bookings like that, yeah, but yeah. when when you yeah. see the bookings that that happen, and and none more so than when you see someone kick the ball away and things like that, that was showing 
physicality that it, it kind of goes beyond, doesn't it? I mean, that actually, I quite like the fact the ref didn't book him um, and kind of, you know, get on with it, your, your pair of tights sort of thing. But um, <laughs> it, it should have been, really. Okay. All right. Uh, so that was the end of the first half. Moving into the second half. Uh, 51st minute, Casey picks a pass for Naki Wells, who just misses out. And uh, again, a bright-ish start, Matt, I thought, for that. And obviously, Casey still trying to spread those balls. Much like the first half, really. Um, it, it was a, a, a decent start. Um, I thought Naki Wells was on his heels. I think Toby on commentary said, you know, or Chris Martin said, he, he's got to keep on side, so it's a bit difficult. Um, which, you know, to, to be fair, that probably was the case. But yeah, it was it was a nearly moment. And we had a few of those. Tyreek had a few of those as well. It was nearly the, the sort of pass, nearly the shot. But um, yeah, they, again, they, they did start bright. But but maybe not with the intensity I would have expected after that first half. And I, I guess that's one element I'm surprised at with Nigel Pearson's side. Um, I'm not sure I saw much difference in what I would have seen under Lee Johnson or Dean Holden with that second half display based on the first half. I would have expected Nigel Pearson to have kind of got into him enough that we'd have seen a, a marked improvement. Mm. Okay, uh, so 62nd minute, second goal. It was a pinpoint free kick. A well-worked, uh, you know, routine, if you like, a, a, a well-worked free kick. And 2-0 up. And it was after, as you say, Matt, it was a needless free kick to give away. Um, but it just made me think, have we got a player in our team that could have, that could finish like that? Like, like you know, like Fletcher did. I mean, we've seen glimpses of free kicks from different suitors, like Naki Wells, who I think hit the upright earlier in the season. Um, we know Casey Palmer is capable of stuff like that, but great free kick from from a, a striker who's been around for quite some time. And uh, yeah, it just made me think, Steve, are your thoughts on the on the free kick and whether we've got someone? Well, yeah, whether we've got someone, I, I'm I'm surprised that that uh, free kicks around the edge of the area are not Casey Palmer territory. And uh, Naki Wells seemed to step up to those. And I, if I recall, he did score a good free kick against Brentford away I might be wrong in saying that so he can strike a, a clean ball I mean actually there was a there was a free kick that we might cover later on in the uh, uh in the in proceedings that uh that shows that he may not be the man for free kicks but yeah ultimately we 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 are probably left with Casey Palmer as the only person that I would say I would trust to be able to caress the ball mm. into the top corner like Stephen Fletcher did ironically it was Casey Palmer that uh that committed a striker's tackle on the edge of the area uh, to to give that away, but but the the subject of who you know whether he could have stepped up and put it in the back of the net, I, you know he is the only person in my eyes that can do that at the moment based on confidence. Certainly, that's the word though, Steve. Caress, and and that's what he did. It wasn't it wasn't hit with any real power or anything. It was precision. The free kick you talk about later on. Wells tries to smash it when yeah. it's probably a similar position, but. They worked, I mean, I think Fletcher was probably even closer, but they worked a routine, didn't they? It was a, a knock-in. Powell looked like he was going to hit it, which is, I think, why Dan Bentley was stood where he was stood. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and he, he just, it was a, I mean, it, was, it wasn't actually stanchion, was it? It wasn't top, top corner. It was kind of, not middle of the goal, but it was it's, above yeah. the, like, they always talk about it, don't they? If it's a, the, the goalkeeper's side, is it fault? The wall side. You know, you can't really blame it. And it was exactly that. He just lifted it over, as you said, caressed it over the wall mm. on target. It was a goal. Um, the, fact, the fact that there was a, a t maybe a touch or even two touches in the in the, in the the little build-up 
Someone should have been closing that down. They should yeah. have been running out and, and getting involved. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a, absolutely. But that poor, that poor goal to concede again. Okay, um, 66th minute, a couple of substitutions. Uh, Tommy Rowe comes off, uh, Simpson comes on, and Watkins comes on for Lansbury. And I quite, I was quite excited to see what, what Watkins could do. Obviously, we, he came on last 10 minutes of a game a few games ago and put himself around a bit. And that's exactly what we were looking for. Someone to come on, put themselves about a bit, because... You know, there, as we've said at the start, there was some limited opportunity to do that from some of the other players. So, a couple of changes, uh, Matt. Your views on this on the two changes? I'm I'm laughing at you being excited at Marley Watkins coming on. <laughs> well, it, it <laughs> was. Be... It, I was <laughs> going to say it was for Henry Lansbury, so that's probably why he was uh, excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, you know, I think Marley Watkins is out of contract at the end of the season. Um, Yes, he did well for that 10-minute spell when he came on at Birmingham. You could argue he's not been given any kind of run by any manager since he's been at the club. Um, but for me, would I rather have seen Louis Britton on the bench today? And and you can play that same style of role. Probably, yeah, obviously he hasn't got Marley's experience. Um, but it needed to make a change. I was disappointed, really, that it was Roe that came off. Because, again, I felt that you you lost some of that balance. Um, and was was Jack Rowe, uh, Jack Rowe, Tommy Rowe doing any anything worse than than Jack Hunt, and Danny Simpson then gives you that natural right footed sort of side of thing. So, and the Lansbury one, yeah, no, no brainer really, wouldn't it? Mm. Okay. Um, so, 69th minute, the Wells free kick. You uh, again, we've we've seen him hit it on target. He is a striker who knows where the goal is, but it's not one that he'll want to see again. Because he basically fell, you know, slipped, he lost his footing. Whether the grass was too soft or what, I don't know. But um, yeah, made a complete hassle of it, to be honest, Steve. Well, unfortunately for Wells, it wasn't the first time he'd slipped during the game, and he slipped a couple of times in the first half. So I don't know. I, I, I probably do, do know. Well, new boots. Whether he's been, you know, I don't know, training on Astro Turf and he's worn them down or what, I don't know. But. Ultimately, he he slipped over a couple of times, and again a couple of times after the uh, mm. the free kick. So uh, no surprise that he's come up, tried to welly it, lost his foot in, and uh, mm. and any chance of uh, uh, of a of a goal back is gone, unfortunately. Is. Um, but it, it, uh, did you feel comfortable that he was going to uh, he was going to achieve anything from that goal? It was very close to the edge of the area. The Stoke wall was just inside the area. He was going to have to do an awful lot to get it up and down. It was we very needed, central. Uh... We needed Josh Brownhill to, to 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 dip one in, I think, on that one, Matt. Yeah, well, or J- Jamie Patterson is is probably the one there. But the, the bit that, that kind of disappoints is there's no invention to it. It it was literally probably what I would have done twenty years ago, where you just kind of step up and try and smash it. There was no routine there. There wasn't like we'd worked on anything in. And it's funny, Pat, you, you talk about the Robins reunited. Um, which you know, I'd, I'd encourage anybody to listen to because it was brilliant. But you talked about the the weasel, the Lewis Carey goal away at Crystal Palace. Invention. It was a move, a sim- similar sort of position, maybe a little bit further out, but it, it was you know something they'd thought about. Whereas this was literally step up, it, it oh, and yeah, he fell over, and so nothing came of it. And that concerns me a little bit. That you know that you you, you sort of said it, Patrick, about him being on the beach. That was a really tired, no idea performance today for me and um you know as much as I want Nigel Pearson to stay you kind of look at that and think Christ almighty what a job I've got here 
Mm. Um, so yeah, and, it, it's and disappointing. I, it, it's it's hard for for we've just come off the, off the back of well, I've I spoke to Steve Lansdowne for for seventy minutes this morning about mainly the the passion and the, yep. the drive to succeed, and then and then and then you watch a performance where that doesn't match the ambition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really really frustrating <clears throat> on the whole. But and I uh, think is that not what we as fans want though? In it, I mean, if we'd lost two 0 today, but had gone had five six shots, their keepers had a worldie. You kind of we'd be having a different podcast now because you'd be exactly. still buoyed by it, and and that's what we want as fans. You just want to see the effort, the desire, the will to win. In the same way as you guys probably did on Monday night at five aside, I didn't see that today, other than like I said, from three players, and that includes Callas, that includes Bentley. I didn't see enough desire to want to win that game today. Okay. Um... So 74th minute, Nick Powell up to his tricks again, having a rest and running the clock down. And then 79th minute, I put C above. Because <laughs> it was yeah. two yeah. spots. Um, and I think, yeah, Toby said it, or Chris Martin said Chris in commentary Martin, yeah. that, uh, you know, he's played against teams that have done that from minute one to minute 90, Steve. Well, yeah, Nick Powell was the bane of our life today. If he wasn't trying to wind this up, then he spent three separate occasions on the on the grass before he was finally... Uh, substituted so clearly he had something wrong with him but ultimately ref- referees don't ever take charge of these situations anymore they, they seem scared to be able to say to a player right if you can get up and, <laughs> and play on like you did second time man you can you can wander off the pitch and be treated on the sidelines yeah. they never do it it never doesn't happen anymore and Nick Powell was uh, was able to uh, to kill the game much to his manager's delight I imagine what did you think about Chris Martin's suggestion about um, some sort of you know stop clock if players go down injured and have having uh, you know a time obviously you you do run the risk of of the game going on five ten minutes longer but uh, you know i guess that's is it basketball where they do that there's a you know if the ball goes yeah, out of play shot clock stops absolute one thing i've said for years I, I don't want the referee doing the time um it's difficult if he's in the stadium i guess because players can see it but as you said basketball players do it and they, and they know when to take that shot at the end in i think we all know then but there's also a a little bit like we found with VAR. there's an element of it as well that when the board goes up for five minutes and you're winning 2-1 in a big game or that man united game there's that excitement in there i mean it, there's a the, the guy that sits next to me dave I always say to him in injury time, put put your stop clock on just so that you can kind of know. And then it goes beyond 30 seconds past what it was. And so it keeps the buzz going. Whereas if you see it in the ground and someone else is responsible, maybe yeah. that takes the whistle, some of that the away. whistle starts, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the whistling. But that's that's part of it, isn't it? That's what you want to continue. Whereas yeah. if you see it on a clock and it's literally similarly, I guess, in, in rugby, isn't it, where you get, the, is it the hooter you get in that? And then you know the next passage you play, they just welly it out, don't they, if it's not mm. gone dead. So, yeah. Your thoughts, Steve, on the the well, idea um, from Chris Martin? Well, it, as as Matt says, I mean, do do we really want 10 minutes of, of injury time? Because, mm. you know, the tension the tension that you get in football is, is created from the final whistle uh, blowing or you know it's going to blow within three minutes of, of the 90 minutes typically. or yeah. And it's already, it's already extended in in recent years as a result of substitutions and a bit of time wasting from what used to be two to three minutes of injury time to typically now five minutes. Um, If it goes any longer than that, then it, it, you know, I don't know, it it doesn't create the same effects, but I think there's a, there's an element of, and I know time wasting has gone on for years, but without the crowd being there, getting on the referee's back and him not physically, you know, showing that he's 
holding it. I've stopped the clock, guys. You know, mm. don't worry, they're not getting away with this. That doesn't really exist when the crowd isn't there. So, uh, yeah. but you, you're never going to be able to discourage it, other than the referee physically showing that I'm stopping the stopping the clock. Mm. Show them that they do that when you realise for the second or third time that they're they're doing it, and then it it should discourage it after that point. I mean, ultimately, mm. we had a problem with diving in football. We still have a problem with diving, but when they started booking players for, for blatant dives, then it, it stopped it from happening. So we do need to do something, but it's like a physical representation of I've stopped the clock, yeah. but not stopping the clock in its entirety um, on the on the game. It would stop it. I think it would, it would stop it from happening, but it's not practical and it, it, it doesn't create that tension that we all thrive on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one one change that, that they experimented with, with, which I really liked, and I get your guys' views on this, is the the descent to the referee and the complaining to the referee and then moving the free kick forward another 10 yards. Yeah. They did that for maybe a season. I really liked that because, you know, it did cut it out. And a number of occasions I remember watching down the gate and the, us getting a chance that was, you know, not a, not a shooting opportunity that became a shooting opportunity because yeah. of the abusing of the referee. Matt, what did you what do you think? No, I agree, and and you and it, you you can see it's there. I mean, Casey Palmer probably today, as much as anybody was sort of at the ref about some of the decisions, but it goes back to Steve's point. When when you start to take that kind of action, it stops some of that element. One of the big ones for me is is throw-ins. You know, we the refs allow players to steal. 20, 30 yards, no, that's too, too many, 10, 15 yards on a throw-in. And how many times do you see a ball goes out by the corner flag for a throw-in and the throw-in's taken, you know, <laughs> halfway at the pitch, isn't it? And you sort of think, well, so yeah, for me, I, I would like to see that brought back in. And I think there's still very much a situation of the respect in our game compared to other games is, is nowhere near what it should be. Yeah. Steve, for you? Well, we're just talking about professional footballers here. Guys, and I just think it, there, there's very little chance of changing the culture uh, of of players, and unless you do something drastic. But yeah. ultimately, you know, it makes me laugh when they say about miking referees up. I mean, what an absolute disaster that would be. I mean, yeah. I, they <laughs> they did it years ago, didn't they? Tony Adams. It was an Arsenal what? game. Um, Roger Milford get mic'd up. It might have been Roger Milford, but it was definitely Arsenal. I it remember was, Tony Adams, yeah. and, and there was a lot of language, wouldn't they, that went on? Well, it was, it was David Ellery, the uh, the that's right. Was, Arsenal that's right. against Millwall, and yeah. uh, and there was an instant where they, I think, they'd forced the ball over the line. Ellery didn't see it, <laughs> and then uh, Tony Adams ran back in the highest pitch voice imaginable. That's right, call, I remember calling that. calling <laughs> Ellery Ellery a cheat. But of course, cheap, yeah. what what had, what that proved was that. Mill were aware of, of that. Arsenal weren't on the day. Yeah. So uh, we'll never know whether Arsenal players would have behaved any differently mm. as a net result of that. But um, but yeah, there, there's no way we can wake up referees. It just it, You just can't change that uh, that culture whilst, of a player. Whilst we're on the subject of, of, of uh, rule changes and things, VAR, can you imagine, because it came up with the Aguero decision to leave Man City uh, at the end of the season. Can you imagine... That Aguero goal, you know, that Aguero goal, if there was VAR at play, imagine if that got then chalked off or reviewed. That would mm. completely ruin that moment because that moment yeah. is the biggest Premier League moment ever. Um, VAR would have completely destroyed it. And I know it's got, it has got a place. I think goal line technology is 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 a no-brainer, but the VAR has completely I think that's ruined where things. I think that's where it stops though, Patch, the goal line technology. I think some of what we've seen the last year and you know two seasons on on the offside, where you're drawing a line and angles, and you know the one with Patrick Bamford where he's pointing where he wants the ball, 
and that's given his offside. Ridiculous. Some of the free kicks you've seen where it's, it's like anything in life, I guess, isn't it? But you slow it down. It absolutely looks like you've gone into damage a player, but actually in the, 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 again, you guys playing like you do now, you go in for a challenge. You, you absolutely aren't going in to injure, to commit a foul, but it just so happens that his foot kicks your foot. Slow that down. It does look like you might have gone in with your stud showing. And so it's, mm. yeah, I, I honestly, for me, get rid of it. Keep goal line technology, but get rid of the rest. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, 81st minute, Wells and Palmer come off. Gigi and Viner come on almost a little little too late in terms of the change, uh, Matt. Yeah, um, again, sort of the Casey one coming off because I think he is that creative one. But, you know, I, I agree with Steve. He, he probably, his legs had gone a little bit and I think he was then starting to to chase and giving a few free kicks away. Um, Famara should have come on earlier. Um, you know, the, the football that he'd played, um, we needed a presence. We didn't keep the ball up front at any stage in the game today. Um, so, yeah, I, I was surprised at that. Um, was being made so late, really. And Zach Viner coming on. Um, Zach starts on Monday for me. Um, yeah. I think you, you need... Yeah, yeah, he does for me. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then, Steve, it was summed up, the sort of the last comment from Chris Martin was that from the games he's watched this season, quite simply, there's not been enough end product. Pretty much sums it up, doesn't it, for the last... If I look back through my notes of today, I think actually the only one... There, there, were, there, were, there were two two scenarios at play that showed end product, if you like. And that was only when we got Semenyo in behind uh, and he was able to drive at the defenders. And he had a couple of very good opportunities, um, but he was basically on his own and not even able to, to miscue a pass or anything such as, such as that. But there is, there was nothing else. I got to 82 minutes when there was a neat ball from Jack Hunt into, into Dijou. And uh, I think it led to a corner, but that was really the only, the only time we managed to, to get through to them, but even then it wasn't a finish of any note from, from DGU. Mm. I mean, actually, what did we have? One shot on target. And I can't even remember what that was. It was, this, people, so. it was uh, Semenyo from the, shot, yeah. the pass oh, of course, from yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, which, which, which was, you know, at that point, if we can do that four or five times a game, yeah. uh, what, we, what we created there and recreate that four or five times more, then, yeah, we're going to score more than we concede but Absolutely. yeah there there is there is very little uh creative there is creativity but the, the final ball isn't was nowhere near good enough today uh and when we did get one-on-one -on -one or anywhere close to to goal we just looked lost sadly um okay so there's a there's an awful lot to do there for, for Nigel Pearson absolutely okay a few tweets came through at the end at the final whistle Dr Dean Allen a friend of the show, if we needed an indication that this current squad is nowhere near good enough, then a record-breaking seventh straight home defeat should tell us that. An injection of quality, passion, and on-field leadership is desperately required over the summer. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've we've talked about the, the leadership and, and the way that Thomas Callas leads is by kind of example, but there wasn't anybody, was there? The, the you know Steve, the Stevie Gerrard's come few and far between the Roy Keens, but you know for me you need someone in the centre of the pitch that is trying to get the te their teammates going. And the one thing I did spot, which I really really liked, ironically, but we went one nil down, and it's I think our youngest player in Hanna Masenga is the run rushing to get the ball back out of the net 
to then take it back. And and you look at that and think, where, where's your, your captain there? Where's, you know, the Jack Hunts, the Tommy Rose? It's Han Noah that's gone to do that. And mm. that's a small thing, but completely agree. I think we, we really are lacking leaders in this team. Julian Haynes said, <laughs> bad Friday. Play on words yeah. there. That's what uh, he's done there. Yeah. Truly awful all over the pitch. No sign they've any idea how to change this home form. And on the day they announce new season ticket sales, even I feel doubtful about renewing. I mean, I'll renew regardless of what happens on, off the pitch. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those ones where Steve wouldn't have been happy with that performance on the day that they announced season ticket sales at the end of, uh, uh, you know, sales on the end of the day. But um, yeah. so frustrating to to, to have well, that. Well, Nigel Pearson won't be happy with it, Patch, because he talked before on his, his pre-press about a positive performance and the home form. You know, let, it was a bit of a jokey comment that someone made, but but had that been a performance under Lee Johnson or um, Dean Holden, then then Dunelm would have done a trade in bedsheets again, wouldn't they? Because um, <laughs> and I'm I'm absolutely make it clear, I'm not saying I don't want Nigel Pearson in charge because I absolutely do, but it was a shocking performance. And again, it makes you realise just how far we've got to go to turn this around. Obviously, Nigel Pearson's not been given any, any opportunity to 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 exactly get venture into the transfer and, yeah. market. Obviously, yeah. at one sort of free agent, but um, yeah. that aside, okay, um, Matt, you, almost. Almost frightened to, to ask. <laughs> Almost frightened well, to ask. Him. To be fair, Mr. Lansdowne said that he uh, he reads what what I put on the scores, um, and actually thinks I, I'm quite good and and not harsh enough sometimes, didn't he? So, <laughs> yeah, this one's for you then, Steve. <laughs> um, go for it. So, so Dan Bentley and and um, Steve, we go six is what we expect them to do. Um, so Dan Bentley, I guess is a six because well I'm saying that yeah so Greg has given him a six but but actually the goal the free kick um he didn't get anywhere near the free kick but it was mm. it was well executed mm. he didn't really have anything else to do so it's probably harsh to knock him down to a five but it certainly won't be any more than the six mm-hmm. um Jack Hunt for for a bloke that gets and this yeah <laughs> anybody anybody watching patch is moving away from the mic i i you know I, I make it clear my feelings on jack hunt but you know i looked at it again today and there was one ball in the second half where it's just it goes back to what steve said it's just a lazy pass up field there's no there's no intent or no precision to it um i didn't think he he did too bad today defensively um, but he had a number of opportunities to put a, a really decent cross in, and I don't think he did at all. Um, so I'm going to go four. Um, Greg has gone five. I'm going four. Mariapa and Callas, um, yes, they're up against very, very experienced and good players in, in the likes of Fletcher and um, in Powell, but um, I didn't think either covered themselves in any kind of grace today. Um, so I'm going to go two fives for them. Equally could be two fours. Similarly, Tommy Rowe um, didn't get forward enough. I can't. I can't recall anything really going forward from Tommy. Um, and obviously, defensively, he got he got mugged, didn't he? You know, he, he knows himself. It was a really poor, poor sort of decision. So it's got to be a four for me for him as well. Midfield wise, um, Lansbury is. Um, I'm not going to go as low as a three. Yeah, I'm going to go four as well. But what I will say is, I wouldn't be playing him again. Um, 
I've seen enough that he doesn't warrant starting for me. Um, and, he, you know, he's got his fitness now. He's played enough minutes. So four for me. Um, Masengo was, I thought, bright and energetic, kept kept sort of driving forward. Um, I'd like to see more end product from him in terms of getting forward, but I think he's, he's asked to def- be defensive. So I'm I'm going to go um, I'm going to go seven for Han Noah because I thought he was one of the three bright players in a a pretty abysmal performance. Um, Casey Palmer again kept trying. Um, I am a massive Casey fan as we as I keep saying on here, but again not enough end product. It was nearly moments, so it, it's a six for me for Casey because um, again I thought his work rate he had to go through an awful lot. Um, Antoine Semenya was my man of the match. Um, I thought he was our most positive sort of player going forward. The only one that really created any kind of efforts on on goal and, and um, you know, caused all sorts of problems. Again, you'd like to think maybe with a, a better pro, or that's, I don't mean that's sounding a bit negative, but other pros alongside him getting in his ear and, and talking him through it a little bit as well. But yeah, I'm going to give Antoine a seven, but, but as man of the match. Sam Bell, you can't score really because he was off so soon. Naki Wells is a four. I thought Naki was really poor today. Um, did nothing at all. I thought his his attitude today was back to what it was when we, we used to talk about it not being good enough. Um, so four for me for that. Tyreek, uh, I'll go five because I think he was trying to do the right thing. Um, I'd like to see Tyreek work on his energy. Um, I'd like to see him, he comes on and and he almost looks laboured immediately that he's on the pitch, but maybe that's just his kind of languid style, to be fair to him. Um, and then the, the, the others, I don't know that they, they were on long enough. Um, yeah. None of them really stood out from that. Um, and then from the gaffer's point of view, you know, I think we were already six defeats was a record one day at home. Not but sure. if, that's, if that's seven on the banks, I didn't see anything positive today, really. Um, to, to, to go probably again a, a, I've got to go four really on that performance because it was it was really really poor today your thoughts Steve any changes you'd like to make to that uh, oh that, remarkably I scored them pretty much exactly the same bar Casey who I gave a seven just for his en- endeavour as much as yeah. anything um, yeah. you know he didn't he didn't find that through ball that he was trying to uh, trying to achieve but then he didn't really have anyone to to push the ball through and like yeah. Semenya was Semenya was the man of the match and and when he gets on the ball and he drives at defenders you know they they panic yeah. and he if we can if we can utilize him i say next season hopefully he's still here next season if we can utilize him as as a as a sort of an old fashioned inside right or on the right of a front three um or even in a, in a front two um, off of off of Dijou, if he's still here, then he will be a great player. He, he this has been his breakthrough season for me, yeah. and he will turn into a fabulous player. And I know he's being courted by, or if you believe the press, he's being courted by Premier League teams. But you can see him; he's got that something about him that will turn him into a great player. He just needs to be playing in a half decent side. And and if I can t- if I can touch on uh, Nigel Pearson, it, it, yeah, probably a four today, but. He's hamstrung by the culture within the club yeah. because no matter which way we look at it, we've now had two head coaches uh, that that are very nice chaps and like to do things a certain way. But if you're going to get promoted from this division, you've got to have something about you and you've got to have a team that's got the hunger and the desire and the passion to succeed. And unfortunately, we've got lots and lots of very nice players. But who's the, well, I don't know if I can swear, 
No. Um, no. <laughs> All right, I do know because who's the chap that's going to uh, going to going to just get hold of the game? And I know we touched on it before. Get hold of the game and and yep. drive the team on because. They're all lovely, lovely players, and they're all very neat and tidy footballers. But there is no one in there who will just grab that game by the scruff of the neck. And yeah. especially when the fans are back, what do we love more than a goal? A challenge that wins the ball back, gets us on the front foot again. Yeah. And that's we are that culturally we don't have that in us. It's, it's yeah. funny, Steve, because Nigel Pearson's. I'm just reading a, a comment here. We just didn't look dangerous as we should have with the players we have out there. It's pretty clear that we aren't very good at dealing with disappointment. I mean, he could have just stopped, couldn't he? he didn't yeah, he could have done it. Yeah. But he said, Rat, we're rather fragile is the best way of describing it. And it so, is, isn't it? We so, just... So, this, you know? this is it. So this is... He... he, he I mean, we're very guilty of, uh, as football fans of expecting too much too soon, but he is not going to solve this overnight. He's got to get to the end of the season doing a bit of experimenting. We've got to manage our expectations that we're going to see probably another five or six performance performances like this before now and the end of the season. And it will it will probably peter out into nothing. Um, I was kind of hoping for a, a Gary Johnson style, weed out the, the, the rubbish, mm. get the team going again. And we end up, if I recall the end of the 2005-2006 season, uh, he got us going and he got us playing and he got the commitment of the players in, you know, got that ingrained into them, ready for the start of the next season when we got promoted. Uh, I don't think Nigel's able to, to do that at the moment, but um, he, he has got a lot to do and a lot to change. But it, there is quality within that squad. It's just we need a the person, the, the word that I can't use in the middle of the pitch to, uh, to do it for us. It's funny, Patch, isn't it? Because Steve um, talks about... The, the fans not being there, but the fact that away from home, we're put in conditions, you know, changing in a bar and not having a shower and things like that, that, that bring that Dunkirk spirit. Maybe things are just a little bit too comfortable for, for some of the, the players at the moment. And with not having fans there, because let's, let's be honest, and although we, you know, we have seen relegation seasons in poor sort of performances, but when the fans let you know it, that, that makes you play differently, doesn't it? Um, and and for me, yeah, I, I wonder whether it's a little bit too comfortable. I'm not sure I think we've got enough quality, Steve, if I'm honest. I, I think um, today I looked at that team and thought there's probably five players I'd, I'd want to keep from that starting lineup. Um, but that I think, you know, might, might be just because it was a, such a poor game. And just, you, yeah. you add back to that team, Odaida, Patterson, Vyman. There's three players there that, that I think would have given us more energy and and carved a few opportunities. Go on, Steve. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, uh, the, the player that I feel that we've missed most, and it seems bizarre to say that, you know, we're not scoring goals and um, and I'm going to choose a defender, but Jay De Silva, his ability on the ball, his ability to carry the ball forward, his ability yeah. to skip past a, uh, an opposition fullback and deliver a quality ball into the box. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a teammate of his, you know if he's charging forward, He's going to provide you with a, a, a either a decent pass inside or a, or a top-notch quality cross yeah. in, and that's what we're missing on the left, and that's what we're missing on the right. And Jack Hunt, as as, as steady Eddie as he is, I mean, today for seventy-five minutes he was he was awful. We seem to come to life in the last fifteen minutes, which is a bit weird. Um, the only problem but, with Jada Silva, obviously, is how many games has he actually played in the time that he's been with us? And I completely yeah. agree with you. You what you wonder though, Patch, if it was a, an injury again from a. a a misdiagnosis or something, because I, I believe he's had pins or plates put in this time around. Um, so hopefully 
he can get a run of games and, and get his form back because it always seems, and it's the same with Callum, just as they seem to be getting to the point where at their, their sort of peak levels, they get an injury, you know, and then they're rock bottom and, and I'm going to start over again, aren't they? So, yeah. Um, so I think we've picked, we've picked ourselves back up a bit with the players that aren't that playing um, and add Joe Williams into the mix as well. But Joe Williams, Liam Walsh. And, and I think you've also got to start to look at some of those youngsters that we've got that, and, and I'm not saying you, you, you chuck many of them in straight away, but you know, there's a huge amount of being talked about, about Alex Scott, mm. um, a huge amount. So you'd like to think he will be blooded into the first team and potentially a bit like Tyreek this year will come in, but Louis Britton, who um, he's the same age as my nephew and, and regularly used to play against him at AF, AEK Bocco. Um, Louis just has this habit of, of knowing where the goal is. And he's if you watch the 20, under 23s, you can pretty much bet Louis Britton will score in an under 23 game. Yes, it's a different level. But like I said earlier on, would I rather see Louis Britton on the bench today than Marley Watkins? Yeah, I would, because I know what Marley Watkins is going to give me. And he did it in the 10 minutes he was on. Yeah. nothing he didn't get any to be fair to him he didn't get any kind of decent ball did he but and it adds um, to the adds to the excitement of the last six seven games that yeah. it gives us something to sort of pin our hopes on um yeah. you yeah. know if we're gonna see six more reserve team performances should we say in terms of it that's what it felt like a pre-season friendly at times doesn't it um then but, it's gonna are be we great. Out, are we out of the woods yet I, I, I mean I, I genuinely i'm not i'm not i've not looked close enough but Rotherham had a lot of games. I don't, I don't even know if they've played today. But, they lost you know, today. Yeah. Did they? I mean, I think yeah. we're what forty-nine points, and is the team third bottom thirty-five, maybe? Yeah. So Rotherham losing, you know, put about ten to twelve points between us and them. But you know, you say we're out of the woods. We've we've lost the same amount of games as Rotherham, and, and this is the, this is this is the, the the strange thing. You know, seven on the banks at home is just crazy. But as a continuation yeah. of previous seasons where we've yeah. been really, really really poor at home and I can't remember a, a, our last decent season at Ashton Gate probably the, the promotion uh, or the, I mean, the yeah, yeah. we've it, lost the, we've lost 20 games of the 39 it's yeah. crazy and that is you know I think we're very lucky we're not in a relegation scrap because yeah. our form that, is atrocious so we are yeah. 14 points off of relegation yeah with and with we're with with seven f- games what, left. what have we got seven games left seven. we're fortunate I guess that, that you've got Wednesday that had the punishment that they had and are, mm. are, are struggling. Wickham, we're always going to find it difficult at this level and Rotherham will always find it difficult at this level. Um, and it almost makes you feel like well, you, you kind of survived because there were three worst teams in you. And, and that's an obvious thing to say because invariably the three worst teams go down. But yeah. I'm, I'm with Steve, you know, when you look at those sort of stats and you look at the performances as well, I mean, we, we got away with some wins, didn't we, early on that have kept yeah. us out of that trouble and you wonder where we'd be if if we were really looking over our shoulders with this squad of players and and how soft and underbelly we've got. You do what you would fear for it, and I think I think that's Steve kind of alluded to it. I think that's why the change was made, and even with the he, he talked about the coaches, didn't he? Were put in place, but even said to him he needed to get someone in, and that's why they acted as quickly as they did. Mm. Um, yeah, well, we're already um, a. Um, uh, a special special feature length episode yeah. in terms of time um but steve coates thank you very much for your input today uh, that's Brilliant, absolutely David. fantastic yeah, um pleasure. uh steve lansdowne uh, again can't thank you enough for choosing to come on three peeps in a podcast the bonus show uh, a fan podcast the first time you've ever done that 
outside of official channels. So massive thank you. And uh, obviously Rich's birthday, Rich Brown, who was one of the original three yep. peeps, his birthday. And as I said on Twitter, it's um, something that we, uh, that, that um, Mike would have really enjoyed. So thank you very much for listening, everybody. Matt, do you want any comment for you? Yeah, I, I just want to say, Pat, as well, but but who, huge kudos to you, mate, as well, for, for arranging that. And yes, I know, you know, but it, it was your your networking with Paul and, you know, um, trying to make it happen and, and getting it. So massive credit to you, mate, for, for getting that interview because it was an absolute belter. Brilliant. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Speak soon. Well yeah, done, boys. Thanks for asking. Cheers, guys. Take steady. Take